0: Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree's podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording on a Monday night, uh, a few days before the draft. Uh, I guess maybe we should start with the big news, Glenn. Chris Jentz going to the Lakers.
1: Oh, yeah, that is the big news everyone's talking about today for sure. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of big news. Oh, it's important news. It's There's just no that, it's got, that it's gotten buried. It's gotten totally buried. But yeah, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about the p- possible impact of losing, losing Melbourne Hunt last year, throw Martin Garnett into that kind of space as well, and um, and now Chris Gent, you know, who's been who was with Bud and LP and Nate, and provided that's, some continuity. That's kind of incredible. It is. It really is. But it probably speaks to. <laughs> how versatile he is and how well liked he is and how <clears throat> helpful he is and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not super close to the staff and how they're organized under Nate at all. Got to, LP was a, a little pretty transparent about that as, in his first job. Right. um But it does feel like he'll be missed. um I know people, fans on Twitter talked about, well, who can we go hire? And, you know, when you have a, a 10 year coach like Nate is, Typically, they come from someone kind of of his era, you might say, you know, um, kind of reflects some of that. But I personally, I think I just I have a feeling from from what I've been able to see that Matt Hill is kind of an up and coming coach. And I think if they don't get him on the on the bench on the front row before too long, that he might be a loss, too. And and uh, and I I, I wouldn't be mad if the result was to move him to the front bench and replace him on on the second row. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Uh I I think Kevin Herter will miss Chris Jen a little bit. I mean, obviously, uh like er, er, they they seem like two peas in a pod. Yeah. Got along well and you know, he, he did good things. I'm I'm nervous about uh <laughs> what the offense looks like. But uh Agreed. yeah, I, I agree with you on Matt Hill. That would that would be smart to move him to the front. All right. Uh, where, where do you want to start uh, for for real? Um, I, so I about the draft. I think you want I, to talk about the billowing clouds of smoke? Like where where do we go?
1: Well, I, it'd probably be silly to not touch on the all the trade smoke since I mean it's been a, it's been a little while since you recorded. But basically, everybody who is reporting from Jake Fisher to Champs webs now says that I think we should all be prepared for J.C. to be moved. Um, potentially this week, you know, it it depends on the construct of the trade is if it's something that um, could be fully finalized around the draft, around a draft based trade. Um, If it's going to be something that can't be executed until the new NBA year after July one, then uh, we might not find out uh, so, so soon um, because we might wait until the team clears cap space you know, all, all of the kind of masturbations but it certainly sounds like JC is going to be on the move. And when you combine that with the fact that um the math tells us it's unlike the is going to be back, it's getting really interesting to kind of think about what they might look like in the power forward position next season. So I, I, I know you're probably like me, I'm keeping the open mind to see kind of what the what the macro set of moves are the, the collective set of moves are um, before I, I react, we've talked about uh, how viable uh, I think JC is. He's a, he was statistically the best pick and roll finisher in the league last year. Not, not really a surprise. That's what he does. That's his strength, his forte. Um, and that he, he really fits well with Trey. Um, but I think we also know that they, you know, you and you, I think you were there when Landry spoke today that there's, seems to be, oh, you weren't. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. I uh, couldn't remember. Um, but I think we heard from Landry speaking today that defense is a real emphasis and that's not to say that John is an unhelpful defender. I think he offers a defensive versatility that can help in the right lineup construct. Um, but they might just need a lot more defensive punch, especially at the three and the four combined, uh, where a different kind of construct at those positions collectively um, is something that might have to be recalibrated um, at 14 building around Trey. And, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. I think one way or the other, it's going to be ex- exciting. I uh, have no idea what to expect. You know, are they going to trade for a draft pick that doesn't really kind of fit into the make the roster better right away kind of mold? Um, but you, you never know what kind of a you know, multi step process might be in the works. But what, what are your general thoughts right now?
0: And I guess I would go back to uh, I think I probably echoed this sentiment somewhere down the line, but uh, you know, I, I think he's helpful in certain contexts. I mean, almost every context, but it, but but it varies how much he can be helpful. I think you know, I think if you're in a conference with, with Giannis and, and Joel mb that you may come to regret this trade. If, if those two teams kind of keep a lockdown on the Eastern conference, I think, you know, he's super helpful in, in those types of situations. I think he's kind of underutilized on offense because, you know, he's playing with Clint Capella and, and, you know, he's a, great role man but you don't really get to use him in that context I don't really think that we ever really got to see enough of of Collins and Kongwu because kongwu was hurt when Okongwu got together and kind of got ramped up then Collins was hurt we never really got them in the groove at the same time which you know if he if he indeed gets traded that would be something that uh, I would have liked to have seen before such a decision was made and You know, I, I think. I think really though, like you know, the way that the smoke has kind of billowed up on this, you know, that with you know, essentially what feels like the, you know, did you get a phone call from the Hawks? Well, yes, I did get a phone call from the Hawks, and then that person, you know, talks to someone and says, well, you know, there's there's more chatter around John Collins because there was. You know, Travis trying to do his due diligence to find out you know what he can do, but it just feels like there's some mandate to do something, and that do something may you know reflect a financial situation where they're you know trying hard to do things, but also avoid paying the tax. So it, it seems like that's that's a, a motivator, and you know, it's I think it's easy to be a little bit wary when that becomes the motivation.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, and, and and also for the period that when J.C. and Okongu were both playing, Nate was, you know, as he is, is kind of stubborn about playing Gallo with the second unit, you know. You know um, and so that didn't give them kind of much crossover um, in, in those situations either. Um, where it, it's interesting because J.C.'s rebounding would have been a huge help,
0: you know, <laughs> defensively especially. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just it seems
1: like a natural groove right there with those two. With
0: a Kongu right. being able to protect the rim as well as he does and John being able to rebound and both of them really, you know, exhibiting quite a bit of offensive talent. Like they can both do a lot of things. You know, a Kongu is above average as a passer. You know, J.C. can just God, he really can do a lot of things on offense. And that's I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be to
1: be passing on that before I got a good look at it. I that that's that's where i would be yeah agreed I, i'm not uh i said on twitter maybe a week and a half ago or whatever it was that in my mind it, it's gonna be hard to trade jc and improve the roster I, right. it's, gonna, there's, at, it's at, not impossible
0: and that's what i had in mind when i was talking about well you know you you, you feel like you know that that there's some financial uh motivations behind this and that that's part of it cuz like if you're just purely looking for value it's going to be hard to get that like it, it, this it feels like it has to come from something else because you know just value for value it doesn't feel like you're going to get it yeah and
1: then the go bear noise seems to be shifting more towards chicago right now if what we're hearing is directionally reliable um aiton's the aiton stuff it's like i have said like reach like reworking the roster at center doesn't really make any sense to me as where the priority is. So I, I, after hearing what Landry said today, my gut is, and this just is my gut, it's not anything that I know, is that they are convinced they need much more defense at the three and the four. And, and, and if you can, like, this is a pie in the sky, maybe, I don't know, but, you know, there's been some rumors that OG's not thrilled in Toronto, but if you could find a way to flip JC for OG, you're getting more. Defense, you know, there at the four, a really really strong defender and a guy who can't shoot um, and help you there. That you know, JC can do some stuff OG can't do. OG could be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's eventually an all you know defense level defender. Yeah. Um, now, now they Toronto might be like, that's a joke. We're not doing that because defensive wings like that are super hard to come by. But again, Toronto they struggle have some, to. Too. Yeah. yeah, they do. They have multiple guys like Scotty and Pascal. If you're going to build around them, you know, what do you do? Do you try to kind of force fit Pascal? So we, we've talked about this before, but if, if you could shake someone like that free, I totally get it. You know, I absolutely totally get it. Dorian Finney-Smith type, even though JC is a better basketball player, Dorian Finney-Smith, Finney, the gap the Hawks have defense specifically the D- DFS as a or dodo as they call them as a plug and play type OG's plug and play type it kind of fixes a lot. So I get I get that. And from what Landry said today, uh depending on how much you can believe what you ever hear from a print office because they're gonna not never gonna smartly play you know put all their cards on the table with the media and with the you know public and stuff like that. But my gut is I think they've landed on we have to get better defensively at the three and the four we're going to look to pack our offensive firepower at the one and the two, go that direction. And, and we'll, and we'll see how that works out.
0: It's not a bad strategy. I, no. I, I think it really, I think it fits just, I don't want to say the way it's pl- I, I I'm sort of kind of stuck between the phrase, the way the game is played versus the way it's officiated. It's just kind of, you know, you when when the games get to be really high stakes and and what wins out. I mean, I think that's that's not a bad bet or or, or a way to go. So, you know, I, I think yeah, that's I, kind of the way that the rules have have funneled and the styles have funneled, and and I, I think it makes sense to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The maybe my last comment here is, I will if he's traded, I will not miss hearing people talk about how JC is fully reliant upon Trey for his offense. While there may be a lot of truth in that, why would you not want to put guys around Trey that can finish the plays he starts? (laughs) I just, it, it just escapes me. Like what, how there's any logic to that at all. Like that's a problem. And you know, I know people say, well, we pay him a lot. It's like, okay, but he's the best pick and roll finisher in the league, especially when you consider at the rim and the three point line for the position. That's a, that's a massive thing to try to replace, you know, Um, if if that's the way it goes. But if you can really move the needle on defense, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to build a successful offense around Trey. I'm open-minded to that. But, man, you better move the needle on defense if this is is the uh, way you go, in my mind.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ready to talk about the draft, or are we missing? Is there there any other smoke I'm missing here?
1: not, Not, I mean... I don't think so. I mean, you know, there's some Capella noise, but I think everybody who doesn't have a center is checking in on center, so, I, you know, I don't think there's much to that. So, no, the the draft is you know this week. Are you excited about it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like, I
0: yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, somebody, I heard somebody a couple of weeks ago kind of poo-poo the idea that, you know, fans should be less excited about this draft because, you know, when he gets into this situation with the Hawks, he's not going to be utilized. And, you know, to some extent, I don't think that's right. I I think it's easy to say that, you know, uh, there's a good chance that the player that they get, if they stay at 16 is not somebody who plays a whole heck of a lot this season. So I, i don't know you know another reason not to be excited is just because it's the possibilities are kind of endless like i can't wrap my head around okay you know what's going to happen if it's they do something and try to get four what's going to happen if they do something and try to get seven like you know it's just what if they just get rid of the pick because they're trying to get somebody else like it's just it's so in flux that it's hard to really get a good grasp and say well let's uh you know, let's talk about Dyson Daniels for an hour because then you, that might be just a tape you need to fire into the sun tomorrow.
1: <laughs> for sure. So, uh, do we want to start with if they move up to f- around the four to seven? Like, who do you like? You can go wherever you want. Do you have a guy you you, you is your first choice in that range, or at like at four? Four to four to seven. I, I kind of. Put I would say together. four. I
0: I would be in on Ivy. Like I, there's, I like his, I like his basketball instincts. I like his. Uh, he doesn't look like somebody that needs reps to be good. He looks like he has the uh, the feel now.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm not quite as high as him as uh, on him as the consensus. As a, um, I mean, this this is going to sound ridiculous because Russell Westbrook is a Hall of Famer, no doubt about that, right? MVP, um, and play has played a million playoff games and played on good teams. Um, but Russ is not always a, a constructive player, right? He's not always been kind of that, right? Where everything is instinct. You know, when I watch him play, uh, I I don't know that I kind of see the feel and the read. And the processing kind of all of that coming into play um and that's just how some players are that i you know i don't ever want that to sound like i'm saying a, a a person is not intelligent or whatever it's just that's just kind of the makeup um that's there and part of that is just he plays so fast you know you know that, that that's how that goes jaw has been that way and and I think it's great that Ja has landed in Memphis where he is with that coaching staff that has helped him kind of slow down, uh, know when to slow down and how to slow down at times and things like that. But I don't know that Ivy has um, kind of the the ability to kind of play off of a guy like Trey and, and be uh, kind of purposeful and where he sets up and how he moves and things like that um, and stuff. That's not to say he's not a, a worthwhile pick in that range. It's just that for me, I – um, you know, if I were to say I think Dyson Daniels is going to be a better player than Jaden Ivy, I might look really dumb in about three years, you know, um, but I think the defense that For Daniels sure. brings and I'm worried about i worried about Ivey's defense, although there's some encouraging things that you can kind of see on that end. And then um, what, what makes me most excited, especially about what Daniels could bring early on is um, that he basically functioned as the secondary playmaker with the G League and night team. Playing off with Jalen Hardy, um, and was super comfortable in that role. Still generated five assists a game, um, even uh, playing the two. Um, and and he's he may be the best defensive perimeter defender in the class, and he's only nineteen years old. Um, so the, a ton of feel, a ton of smart uh, basketball uh, stuff there. Um, and I I think his the amount of defense he shows and the defense being his strong suit and the kind of playmaking he shows and the way he fits around another primary uh, makes me feel kind of bullish on that. Now, if Daniels is the guy, my hope is that you only have to get to seven to get him and maybe not give up as much capital, right? Um, I think it would be impossible to get Ivy at seven the way that I'm, you know, I'm kind of sharing about it too. So that's where I am with that. And then, um, also at seven, um, Benedict Mathurin, you know, I just fallen in love with him, you know, um, just such a, just a smooth, uh, creator, you know, creating for himself, um, you know, 20 years old, he scored almost 18 points a game this year, strong rebounder for the position. Um, you know, he doesn't have quite as much size as, he might prefer. Anytime you see a guy who's six, four with a 6 wingspan, nine, you're like, oh, can we get him to six, five and six. Eleven weeks, fan because of how the defense plays more to, the, like, you think about him maybe being able to play at the three if you need him to and, you know, and play him along with two guards instead of only one guard. But, um man, just absolutely love his – I mean, there's a lot. He looks – at the college level, he looked like, to me, like Delano Wright, who was making all of those smart little subtle nuanced plays – um, but with the kind of the offensive aggressiveness, again, this is at the college level. And so, you know, if they get to seven and get either Daniels or with urine uh, I'm going to feel like that may, is most likely to have made it worth moving up there. Um, if they go to four and get Ivy, I'm just going to be interested to see how this coaching staff specifically can kind of help him develop into the role that he would need to play. I think that's a long process. Um, so those are the, those are the three that I kind of have my eye on uh, there in a trade-up
0: scenario. Yeah. I'm not super excited about the trade-up scenarios. I, I think that there's kind of a pool of enough guys that, you know, if they get lucky that, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I, you know, I, I don't want to be picking it (laughs) for, we kind of started there. And I guess I should back up. Like, I, I don't think that this is a draft where I want to spend a whole lot to get the, get up to the fourth pick. So yeah, your scenario where like Dyson Daniels at seven, like he reminds me a little bit of Kyle Anderson. He's kind of very uh, methodical on his jump shot. There's a kind of a load up to it, but he's kind of got the size to make that work. He kind of plays with a pace within himself, but like to go back to, to Ivy, like, you know, the thing I would be excited about is just that, you know, you were talking about him playing fast. I think, the game slows down for guys like that when the spacing gets better. Like when you get away from the college floor and the college defenses and there's more space in the floor, you, you, you've got a longer trip to the rim. You've got more space to operate. So I, I, I can see why you would say it, but I wouldn't think that it's necessarily kind of like an irreversible thing. I I want to see what it looks like in a, in an NBA offense, but you're right. Like, yeah. I don't know that that's a great fit with Trey too. Like. A, i'm not really into to jumping to four especially for the theoretical version of what that might cost
1: yeah and and i don't know if it feels like it's been this way a number of times in the last few years but like four you know of course the kings land there because everybody kind of agrees that three players a tier of right. three have kind of separated themselves wide wildly from the rest of the pack here you know so landing at four you know it, it, it's kind of interesting but you know it's like I mean, does a, does a team for some reason love Keegan Murray? You will want to go up and get him, you know, um, who is like a super impressive college player can do a lot. How much of that translates to the next level? I don't know, but it only takes one team to be like, man, a modern stretch four that could defend, you know, maybe at the four and the five, it's, you know, so, you know, so I mean there's there's some interesting stuff there. Like what in the world is Shaden Sharp? You know, there you know, our teams kind of talking themselves into him at all. You know, a ridiculous athlete has to be like, you know, um you know 9.9 percentile, you know, of all the kind of draft prospects, but he didn't play Kentucky. And my the question I came away with after watching tape from other uh basketball settings was does he know how to play team basketball you know <laughs> I, I don't he has incredible feel one-on-one you know yeah and can run a pick and roll in the, in the basic sense of it yeah you know but i mean sometimes like you roll the dice you know on that it kind of in a small way it reminds me of like is Giannis a basketball player when he was drafted you know c- can we teach him how to play basketball and, and such you know and, and i would think sharp is been in environments where there's plenty of feedback available around him, you know, but I mean, good Lord, if he hits, like you probably, you may have gotten the best player in the draft class. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, so it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see where he gets picked, but I, you know, those are the ones that I think that I think that make the system. But, but I, I feel like, I feel like you do. I think in that there should be a good enough player at 16 um, that, they shouldn't need to feel like they have to move up to get a really helpful player at, uh, in, in this class. So I, I don't, I don't really see that unless it's an opportunity to get a guy they really like and duck the tax, you know, kind of a hitting on multiple different objectives there. Who, who do you like at 16 if they stay put? Uh,
0: I guess uh, the rose colored glasses scenario might be Malachi Branham. That's, being very optimistic, but like there's a kind of a glut though. I mean, somebody's got to fall. Right. I, I don't know. What do you think? Is there any
1: chance that he could dip to 16? I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, a lower than 50% likelihood. But like if Jane goes ahead of him and if Sohan somehow goes ahead of him and if somebody loves Chai, you know, I mean, there's a way for that to kind of stack up. Um, I don't think it's ridiculous. I, I my gut is that if, if they really want him, they're gonna to need to use like a second round pick and go up like two or three spots. You know, I think we recall when they were going after herder, they almost traded up one spot to get him right until I, I, don't know, you know, I think it was kind or of or Woj, yeah, you know, and that's everybody was doing it. I'm not really how out Woj, that was the way it was all going um but it feels to me he feels a little like that like okay i have to go up two or three spots to to make that happen but i, I think that might be worthwhile because i really uh like him too what a phenomenal shooter um and you can see him like if trey has kind of demanded the attention of the defense that created a lot of space on the weak side him just eating that space up and his, his one-on-one scoring ability ability to attack uh, attacking a closeout defender in space he's got every skill uh, you would need kind of in that and then he showed um you know some some impressive stuff on defense you know too um uh, you know especially for a 19 year old you know so i like him too i you know i go back and forth on these guys but i love Jalen williams as well um, you know the kid out of Santa Clara. He's six six, has what what like a six eleven wingspan, I I think, or somewhere in that range. But um, a lot of it is just kind of going back and finding interviews with him, like how smart and bright and how introspective he is about the game. Maybe that's the coach in me that just is always kind of attracted to that. Um, but he played point guard in high school at 5'11". You know, a, you know, a little bit of kind of a shade of the Anthony Davis kind of route where you know, he, he had this growth sport after he got to college. And it wasn't until the season that he really started learning how to play with the length he had and the size that he had. But a wonderful handle, you know, a, a shot that looks like it's going to work. Um, but he knows how to use his length on defense. And he's, um, he's, he tested well athletically. Um, it's just a matter of like, I think that all this size and length is still so new to him that he hasn't functionalized it yet, you know, and that I think that, that that's going to come. But because he's so smart, if someone said Glenn, pick between Jalen Williams and Malachi Brandham, I, I think that if we're um, if I'm, so someone said, Glenn, totally set aside like an affinity you you have for kind of things that you just naturally like in a player. I think Branham has to be the guy that you put over Williams. Um, but I'd have to really kind of uh, set uh, my emotions aside because I have so much affinity for David Williams now, but um, it's one of those things, like if Brand, if the Hawks are sitting at 16, don't move up and Branham goes, but Williams lands there, I'm going to be super feeling good about that for the Hawks because I think I think mean, what he can bring in both uh, both ends of the court um, and just how smart he is, how how great Phil he has, uh, the aptitude he has for, I mean, you just hear him talk about things like um, letting a defender get too far away from him when he has the ball. There aren't many guys his age that understand that there is such a thing as letting your defender get too far from you, right? You want to keep them close enough to you that you're linked and that you have an ability to go past them once you get a little bit of leverage. Uh, and such, and you know, Hawks fans can think back to the, that that next playoff series where they were giving ground, you know, constantly in, in that sense. And the, the, hear him talk about how, oh, I can't let guys get too much space away from me. I've got to keep them closer to me. Uh, it, you just don't hear many draft prospects talking about kind of that much nuance. So that makes me excited. But I mean, Brandon would be phenomenal too.
0: Yeah, and I those are two guys that I would be high on I think if it came down to somebody like Abadji like I could get behind that like not super excited but I can kind of see like where it would go I think Eason would be the one like he's kind of slotted in that range I think if they drew him I think that's just a bad situation under Nate you know before I was talking Mm -hmm. about you know not being excited about a guy that would need reps to get some feel for the game and like I don't think Eason's ready. He's already 21. He's played a lot of center, like, you know, throwing him in there under Nate. I think you're just uh, setting up for a guy who's just really not going to be part of their rotation at any point. If, if he's in there, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that he has the ball skill or the, the feel on offense to make that work.
1: I, I think his ball handling is miles and miles away. Uh, and i think even just decision making in that situation that's about repetitions usually right and to your point i mean i think a lot of this matters on what are they going to try to do with Jalen johnson this year because the reps Jalen johnson needs to, a little bit depending upon what you do situation but even if Jalen johnson's your four and easton is your three you can't ask easton to get reps while Jalen johnson's in the court you can't oh. ask Jalen johnson to get reps. Like so yeah. it becomes a little bit difficult that's where Brandon's more advanced. Jalen Williams is more advanced. So there's, you know, an email. That's not going to be part of your plan for your rotation this year, for you know, but you could make progress. You know, I think towards that this year. Eason is so far off, offensively. Apart from cutting, you know, some of the basic stuff, attacking the rim. Love Eason's willingness to embrace contact at the rim and get to the free throw line. I love how physical he is. So I mean, some team I think is going to do well, could do really well with Eason. You know, I view him as kind of a, a little bit older um Jalen Brown kind of coming in. Jalen Brown had awful offensive stats, Cal his one year there, it's rough ball handling skills. They couldn't he couldn't really shoot it well. Asen's a little older, so he's shooting it a little bit better of late, you know, and things like that. I love his physicality, but I think it's a terrible development situation uh for him with with Atlanta. The, the other guy that I I'm still trying to decide how, you know how I feel about him is EJ Liddell. You know, um, I mean, when I watch him, I'm like, is this the next Paul Millsap? I, I mean, that that's the kind of the feeling uh-huh. that I get, you know, he is all over the place on defense. Um, he's he's six five with I don't remember what his wingspan is, but he plays like he's six eight and he's like so ferocious at the rim. He has such good verticality and timing, uh, and just is so activated on defense all the time. It's I mean, when I'm watching his college team, I'm like, is this like, you know, some of the set qualities around measuring plays and knowing how to help, knowing how to consume space, knowing how to show up on time. And just a little bit of the, you know, Rodman kind of dynamic would just be all over the place all the time and disrupting everything. Um, you know, not really sure what to expect offensively. I mean, he scored the ball, you know, well this year, monster rebounder, um, you know, I, so I mean, when I watch Liddell, I'm like sometimes, like I got to stop watching him because <laughs> I'm I'm gonna talk myself into putting him past both Williams and Brown. right? But I think a lot of that comes down to realizing how much help the Hawks need on defense, and how if Liddell can be a, a guy who can play the three, the four, or the, the five in some lineups defensively, that would be f- phenomenally useful to the to kind of the way that they're trying to try to stretch the roster tube. I don't know if you have opinions on him. I mean that.
0: There's a path for him, right? <laughs> like Some some, sure. some of these positions and some of these roles, it's like, yeah, that's probably not going to be it. But, yeah, there's certainly a path for his skill set with this roster, especially if uh, openings occur.
1: <laughs> it depends on how many moves they make, you know, and things yeah. like that. But, I mean, it, you know, I – he's a guy, if they got him, I'd be like, okay, let's, let's view Jalen as a small forward and get Liddell as a power forward. And let's, you know, let's try to Hunter Liddell, Jalen kind of mixing it in there as the young guys, you're, you know, Hunter's coming to year four here, but that you're kind of, kind of mixing it up there um, and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, there's, I, I can't wait to see him in, uh, in uh, NBA defense, you know, uh, wherever, wherever he might land, um, you know, yeah, so Han, I like. I'm I'm interesting. I'm interested in kind of you know how does how does he end up looking? I mean, he looks really valuable uh, defensively. Uh, Lavaray is surprisingly a good athlete. Doesn't have much length to work with, but he has good size to really shoot the basketball. I, he's a guy. That's like, is he going to go like higher than twenty? You know, or is he going to be in that 25 fiveish range? Because he's, I mean, in so many ways, he's so ready to play right now. You know. Mm-hmm um and then uh, you know like Jalen Hardy what do I make of him like you know how good is he it's hard it's so hard for me to to kind of know that um and um Jalen Duran who was like some in some ways he looks like Mitchell Robinson with hands and a motor consistent motor you know someone's gonna do well uh to get him if they can kind of get him in the right so, so I mean it's so funny because every year I feel like before I can engage the draft class I hear like, Oh, this draft class isn't that exciting. And then once I dig in, I'm like, no, there's like, there's really exciting and interesting guys, you know, here better be very better be picking one through 19, you know, probably with this class, depending unless, you know, one or two or three teams kind of take outlier picks in that range. And then you're good at 20, 21, 22, probably right in there, but uh, you know, I think the Hawks are in a pretty good spot at 16. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: sixteen's not a bad spot in this draft. Like, it's not – I don't think it's an overwhelming draft class, but, like, 16 like, a reasonable spot to pick. Like, that's that's really right – like you say, like, you know, it, it feels like around 18, 19 is about when it sort of gets thin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I think – I think – if i if i if i'm forced myself to be really honest and and get my kind of my my affinity out of it for my style of player at 16 i think it's branham williams liddell and then if eason's the fourth guy he's at the bottom for me and it wouldn't surprise me by thursday if i have one more guy but ahead of Eason because just like you said he's going to need a ton of development time to get the offense to, to where you need to be and Um, you know, we'll, it just doesn't feel like what the Hawks have, unless there's more change coming to the roster than, than we think, but that doesn't feel like the direction they want to go. I think they want to have a better team come November or October, I should say.
0: Was it, was it Mark Stein this morning that said uh, something to the effect of, you know, You know, I guess it's been a, a bit now where it's been well, sort of everybody but Trey, you know, was kind of up for up for discussion, but probably not DeAndre Hunter and probably not Anyeka Okongwu. Is am I getting that right? Sorry, there has been a yeah. lot to happen today.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Stein was the first one, right? Um, and then I think I think the other interesting thing Stein said is. Clint is a Trey favorite, which I think we need that, uh, but that that might have an impact on things. But I mean, you know, if they have a chance to get eaten and that's to where they want to go, then you know, maybe that's something Trey buys into. You know, I, I don't know, but I think it would take a pretty, pretty bold move. But I would, I would, I I read it as a Congo hunger Trey, Trey obviously is the absolutely not even going to talk for a second about that, right? Um, and then I think in a lower tier, but. A little closer to that than everybody else on the roster is, is Clint to me, and you and I and you and I talked so long, so much about nuance. Clint is as a screener and how he get, he helps Trey get get angles that nobody else on the roster gets. And he ran a, a billion pick and rolls with Harden, and Harden was awesome about telling Clint exactly where he wanted him, exactly where he wanted the ball, exactly the angle he was looking for, and that's benefited Trey a ton. Uh, and I think if they move Trey for someone who doesn't have that nuance, I think Trey's scoring is going to suffer uh, coming in the next season. So I'd be, you know, I, I, I'll say again, I think it's hard to trade John and get better. Doesn't mean you can't have it. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Right. On the other side of things, I think if you trade Clint um, and, and, you know, I think it's going to be Trey's job. gets harder, most likely if they do that. And so that's where I am with kind of, kind of all the noise.
0: Yeah. I think you you know life without Clint would get so much worse for the Hawks against certain teams, the Milwaukee's, the Philadelphia's, the Cleveland's. But it might help them in certain situations, like it might be better for them against the uh the Boston's and the Miami's and the and the Charlotte's. Mm-hmm. Um, of the conference if 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 they kind of rework things in a new direction so i don't know like if I was trying something different i would consider that, but it would have to be for the right setup
1: i don't know yeah yeah well, yeah i i mean i, I remember I, I talked with Brad about aiden uh i i went back and took another look at Aiden's season but it, like over the weekend because I there was just still noise there. I was, I didn't realize how much he improved as a shooter this year. Like it, it was astonishing uh, how, and even through his own self-creation. So, I mean, eight would give them something to beat switches. That, that's far beyond anything they have right now. So there, there could sure. be a ton of value in that. And they saw more and more and more switching as this past season when we mm-hmm. are, when, went on. And we know that. And, and John has the skills there, but, you know, if they're going up against uh, you know, a team that can throw a lot of length, at you like Toronto, John doesn't have quite as much to work with because there's lack of length, you know, and things like that. I mean, Aiden is on a completely different dimension in that way. Uh, Aiden will, is not going to give you nearly as much nuance defensively. And so my view is that if, if they go Aiden, which we've already talked about, they may be leaning this way, but they would need a lot more defensive than four. And a specific kind of defense, somebody who can really help inside, help rebound, um, you know, help bring, uh, be a good help defender, get to the rim, and, and things like that. And then that's possible, you know, the, the, you know, there. But I mean, yeah, Aiden would Aiden would murder switches, <laughs> you know, and, and that trade can really dictate the way that no one on the roster can. So yeah, there there are trade offs, you know, for 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 sure. Uh, I just think that um, it if trade doesn't um, Trey in that scenario, Trey wouldn't have kind of a harder time getting his offense, his scoring specifically. Uh, it would just look different, you know, than, than all of the angles that Capella has got helped him get the last few years, which is which is noteworthy. So I don't I don't want to discount that it can't look different, it can't be different, and that Trey still figures out because he's a genius, you know. But it, it would be an adjustment, you know, for him in that sense. Um, but I think that you know when I watched him play the whole Miami series. My whole my feeling the whole time was like he'd be thrilled to give the ball to somebody who go do something with what Miami was leaving them to attack, you know. And, and then JC was hurt, we know that, et cetera, et cetera, right? But it, like even a fully healthy JC, whatever, you know, Aiton would have would have given them so much more to kind of work with there. So you know, the thing for me is like how much does Aiton cost you in that scenario? You know, I have I have no idea, but I still feel like the center is the wrong position to. To uh, to kind of um, uh, retool there on the roster, but sometimes your decisions are driven by opportunity, you know. And if the best, you know, kind of uh, change that, that's out there, it looks like that, then that's something I think you have to have to think about.
0: Yeah, and when you hear, you know, somebody say, you know, Clint is a Trey favorite, like that's that's a meaningful thing too, because like. There's no guarantee that you get that with Aiden or Gobert. Like, uh, I don't think Utah was the most harmonious place this season. No. for for whatever reason. <laughs> and you know, when someone's name the coach makes, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And and, and and when someone's name kind of gets Monty Williams to clam up and glower like that's that's a that's little so bit cool. of a red flag. Like yep. that's Monty Williams. <laughs> like come on like i don't know like that's i don't know i i would i would do my due diligence in, and uh getting homework for all of the bases covered in those areas if you're especially with what you're probably gonna have to pay to get one of them
1: that's that's for sure um but there's so many levels of this right it's does travis feel like He's on the hot seat. The Stravis filled, like he has one more year to kind of uh show something, whatever that might be. Right. There's so many kind of uh aspects to this right. that, that could factor in. And so. I
0: didn't talk about the positive, which is like Clint, like he's a good guy. Like everybody freaking likes Clint. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, put it to to put it in a positive light, like it's helpful to have people like that in your
1: locker room. It is, and that was a. I think that trade was Travis's best move, um, and I think it helped Trey get to the level as a scorer that he's at now a lot faster. Um, uh, and so I think that was just brilliant. Um, but you know, if if Travis is like, okay, I I've got to get us back to a top four seed this year, and I have to take some risk, you know, to do that, then you know that that factors. And two, you know, because ever, ever, most people want to keep their job. And that's kind of an understandable human um, situation and stuff. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see what how things look at the end of this week. You know, how different is it going to be? Or is it going to be like, oh, they didn't make that many changes. But now we're all looking for July 1st and getting into the moratorium and, and seeing if that's where the change comes. It's going to be fascinating to see. Um, for sure uh i'm gonna have people mad at me if we don't uh, even at least mention the name of one more draft guy that a lot of p 3 who's folks are uh Johnny davis oh okay i mean yeah, he's is i think, this like I think he's in between up? seven is, i think he's yeah he's kind of he's two out of range i think right yeah yeah i, I, I mean he's not going to be a 16 right I can't imagine that. And I can't. And and a seven feels like maybe a stretch, unless you just just really like him. But man, a scoring machine and the impact defender. He's 6'4 with a, I think, a 6'8 wingspan. So, again, it's one of those things like how much of that translates. Can he defend it at a three? That's unlikely. Right. So, you know, it it, it feels a little bit like a a kind of a herder template in a way, if that makes sense. More one on one scoring, more aggressive herder um, but kind of stuck at the two you know herder probably placed a little more three than I would expect Davis to but there are there's a few people that, that read piece three hoops and comment that are pretty excited about him so uh, I wanted to show them some love and at least get his name but I, I feel like if they go to seven they're probably going to be able to get a, a player that's a little better fit for them and that he's not going to be there at 16 so I sounds like you kind of agree on that
0: yeah and
1: uh, like
0: no good segue here just changing topics like the the one thing that's kind of i keep thinking oh yeah there's a thing that we didn't talk about We I mean we kind of talked about it but like landry fields got a promotion oh yeah <laughs> i mean, I don't know that a whole lot changes like i think he's the one doing draft availability i don't think we're going to hear from travis thursday i think it's supposed to that's, be landry that's kind of weird it's a little different uh yeah. but um I mean, should we make anything of of this promotion?
1: If we should I'm not I'm not seeing it, but that Maybe. could be a Glenn, that could be a Glenn problem.
0: I mean it's not like we get a whole lot of insight into how these things work. so I'm sure right.
1: and then uh, they added uh, grant with it, right? Yeah, okay, yeah that's so true right. I, I mean, basically the same day. So I don't know if it was like, hey, Landry, we're going to move you up a level so that this new guy we bring in, that you, you, you're you not feeling like he's here to maybe replace you, which is kind of silly because Landry has so much experience. and Grant has been a great Twitter follow for a number of years now um, and uh, was, um, I think, plugged in with the Santa Cruz Warriors when Travis was there. So there's There's some relationship there that predates probably Travis's relationship with Landry. And so, you know, normal office dynamics applies here of like, oh, he brought in the guy <laughs> he knows. And now, you know, so it could have been a little bit for Landry just to help him feel secure about Grant coming in. And, um, you know, but who knows? Sometimes I'm speculating that, which is always super helpful. <laughs> yeah, I uh, don't, uh, so nothing one, to Something said. to watch,
0: something to keep an eye on. Something that. to right. watch, that sounds good. Is there anything else? I feel like there's a lot of holes in the boat that need to be plugged, but maybe we've covered most things.
1: No, I mean, you know, like, you know, Zhang is another guy that's in between 7th and 16th, so we didn't touch on him. But we hit everybody on my list. So now we got Johnny Davis. And I think we had mentioned Zhang a little earlier before. Everybody I wanted to touch on, uh, I hit on. So I feel ready. All right. Well, we can always do another one if you feel the need. Just hit me up. Yeah, I think it'll be – my feeling is, knock on wood, if there's not a trade before draft night, um, it'll be uh, analyzing what happened on draft night when, when we get around to recording Friday, Saturday, whenever it might be. I look forward to that.
0: All right, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's plan for that. Well, I appreciate your time, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin. One of these days we'll get you and Andrew Kelly in the same Zoom.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll have to get a super premium license. To, be Wait, to why go, did why like, did you like tip back the whiskey when i said that uh have it <laughs> <laughs> all I, right I, I i andrew and i have lively conversations i'll just i'll leave it at that and one of these days we got to capture that on a podcast right yeah i, I think
0: that's important think this could be great all right have a good night sir and you